Executive Suites with WPRI.com reporter Ted Nisi. Welcome to a special edition of Executive Suite. I'm Ted Nisi. This week we're taking the show on the road, sitting down with the head of one of Rhode Island's biggest and best-known companies, Hasbro. Chairman and CEO Brian Goldner talked with me about the toy company's future in Rhode Island, how it's handling the demise of Toys R Us, and why Play-Doh is still as popular as ever. I sat down with Goldner at Hasbro's current headquarters in Pawtucket. So, Brian, good to see you. Thank you for sitting down with me today. Nice to see you, Ted. So, a lot of questions I have for you about the toy business, about Hasbro, what you guys are working on, but I have to start with the number one question I got from people here in Rhode Island mm -hmm. when I said I was sitting down with you, which is, everyone knows you folks are looking at the future of your headquarters, mm -hmm. where you'll be based in mm -hmm. the future. Uh, where does that process stand right now? You know, we're spending a lot of time really looking at what's the best way to go forward for our workforce and to create the most creative environment, um, an opportunity potentially to bring more of our employees together. Uh, right now we have a number of facilities, including the building we're in today, the one right across the street at 1027 Newport, as well as down in East Providence. Um, and so, you know, that for us is a big discussion. We want to make sure that we make work really productive and easy to do. We're in a business that's fast moving and we've got a lot of different parts to the way we go to market. So we're just taking a look, and obviously a renovation is one way to look at it. Uh, building uh, new buildings is another way, looking at available buildings, and we're just in the midway through that process. Obviously, we spend time with our board of directors because whatever we do, it's a big investment. And then, obviously, working with several different constituents, including spending a lot of time talking to our governor and Gina um, and giving her perspective on how we're looking at a potential move and or renovation. Um, you know, and uh, deciding, you know, how it is, uh, what's the best way to be in Rhode Island. So, hearing you say that, do you expect Hasbro will stay in Rhode Island? No, I'd really like to. Obviously, we have offices in 40 countries around the world. We have offices in multiple locations in the United States, including Seattle, Washington, as well as Burbank, California. Um, you know, we all, in our hearts, love Rhode Island. But we also have a group of shareholders who invest in this company from all over the world, and they want us to make the best possible decision for our employees, for our brands, and for our companies. And so, obviously, our, our desire would be to be in Rhode Island, but we have to look broader than that in order to make sure that whatever decision we make is a really good one for the company and our employees. Is there any kind of rough timeline, Brian, in your mind? Have you and the board set a schedule out for when you need to come to a, a decision on, the, on whether to move, whether to renovate, whatever you do? You know, we've been at this a while, internally. We've been working on this for a couple of years. And in fact, we've taken uh, different teams uh, through our thought process and what we would need to be a modern play and entertainment company, which is our mantra, and we have to deliver that in the facility that we all live in and we work in. And so I would say we're probably still another three to six months away from a real plan. So do you feel uh, wanted in Rhode Island then? You sound like you would like to stay. So you're still, you know, you're not, you're not one foot out the door at this point. No, we, we've never been one foot out the door or two feet out the door. You know, it's, it's really been about what's right for the company and what's right for our employees. Recognize that they have lives. We try to find the right work-life balance for them. We want to make sure that the people who are contributing so much to our compa company have, uh, are proximate to the company itself. But we also recognize that we're trying to attract a workforce. 50% um, of our workforce is new to the company over the last five to six years. So we're recruiting all kinds of new talent. 
in this digital age, people who are telling stories online, people who are digital marketers, people who are data analysts and scientists. So this isn't just the workforce that we had 10 years ago uh, because the requirements of the business isn't the same as it was 10 years ago. And so we have to just reflect that in the way we think about planning out the building. So we don't really come at this from a what's the location we come at, what's the best for the company. And then there are people who are developing properties in a number of areas, in a number of locations that seem interesting to us. All right, so uh, let's talk about the toy business. Yeah. You are celebrating your 10th year as CEO of Hasbro, and you've been at the company since 2000, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, in, your, in your decade now as CEO, what's the biggest change in the toy business? You know, I think the biggest change in our business is the same in a lot of businesses, which is as we follow the consumer, the rate of change of what the consumer expects and their expectation for enjoying a brand anytime they want in any format across any screen or any play experience. And so our ability to deliver that is quintessentially important to our company. And so that person who loves the Transformers, you know, they're going to want the robot and the transformation. They may want the high-end collectible because they're a fan. They may be a child who wants to play in the, what we call the play pattern of the brand. But they're going to also want to play the video game, which we're going to provide them. They're going to want to see entertainment. They're going to want to read the comics or some combination of all those elements. And we be, have to help them to travel across all those different forms and formats and to play with that brand, engage with that brand anytime and anywhere they want and do that around the world. So the pace of change is certainly sped up and the nonlinear shifts we're seeing in our business with online retail have certainly impacted our business. We're really taking it on. We have incredible expertise at the company. And in fact, we're the fastest growing toy and game company in our space in the online environment. Do you think uh, that as you look, you, the hallmark of your time as CEO has been this transformation of Hasbro from, we always say, a toy maker into uh, entertainment and with toys. You know, do you still think of Hasbro as a toy company? 100%. But, but what we really are is a plain entertainment company. But we're 100% about toys and games. They sit as one of the key foundational elements of this company. And, and it certainly will be that way for the next decade. And then in addition to that, we recognize if we've done the right job in understanding the consumer and the audience better than anybody else and coming up with that proprietary insight about what those people are looking for, and not just here, but in Europe and in Asia and in Latin America, you know, we have to do it in all these regions around the world, and then we're able to give them a, a multitude of experiences. week coming up more of my conversation with Hasbro CEO Brian Goldner including why he thinks classic board games are seeing a resurgence stick with us Welcome back to Executive Suite. I'm Ted Nisi. This week, an interview with Hasbro Chairman and CEO Brian Goldner taped on location at his company's headquarters. Here's more of our conversation. First Christmas without Toys R Us. Uh, hugely disruptive, it appears, to the mm -hmm. toy industry. What's your current analysis on what that did and, and, and how it's affected you? You know, it's, a, it's been disruptive, as you say. And in fact, it's been disruptive in, a, in, a, in many different ways. So first, uh, remember, they were going to restructure their business about a year ago, and that was a, a big surprise because they did that by choice. You know, that was the choice of the financial sponsors to go that direction. And then they surprised everybody again when they went out and de declared bankruptcy to liquidate. Again, it was a choice that they made. 
and obviously Hasbro lost money in that process as well because we didn't get paid for all the inventory that we had sold to them. And then they went through the liquidation process, so of course they had our inventory that they were selling at a fraction of the current price. So that had an impact in our third quarter, in addition to all the revenues we would have done with them from a year ago. And then as we come into the fourth quarter, you know, again, we're in the holiday season without that retailer. It represented 9% of our global revenues, but about two-thirds of those revenues were here in the United States. So it has a big impact in the U.S., a big impact around the world. We're starting to see a few regions go forward as Toys R Us's, like Asia and in Canada, with some new ownership. But again, by 2019, we believe we return to growth, and that would be without Toys R Us. But it's been a disruptive year. What? Um, where do you see parents buying toys now? I even I admit it, I was surprised in the sense that you know you think of with all we've heard about online retail in the last decade and a half, was Toys R Us that important? Clearly, it was still extremely important to how toys were found and sold. Where are parents going now? What do you find the shift is happening without Toys R Us there, especially this holiday? Yeah, so we're we're certainly seeing people go into stores, but still 50% of every store visit is being informed by a mobile visit to your phone. And that might be because they're trying to uh, figure out where the best price is. It might be because there's a version of a product that they're looking for that isn't in the store. It might be buying online and then picking up in store. Uh, many people I talk to say they like the idea of having the product uh, shipped to them. They may buy something in store and they'll hide it on the kids. Uh, but also they like being able to buy online because they can get the product shipped. It's in a package and they can put it away. You know, a lot of retailers use a lot of different techniques in order to get people on board, like layaway. But the fact is, we're also opening a lot of new doors of retail. We've opened 21,000 new doors of re retail in the United States in the last three years. So it's not the full array of products that used to be at a Toys R Us, but it might be Nerf at a sporting goods store. It's a collector product for fans around Marvel and Star Wars that may be at a gaming store, like a GameStop. So what we're doing is we're dividing up the market, we're looking at different channels and channel strategy, and then we're able to put different kinds of products across our portfolio in different new kinds of retailers. Um, and so people are trying to find those new ways to shop, and I think it takes a little time to figure that all out. We're trying to give them the opportunity to find the toys in new and different ways. And again, that's why storytelling and our gaming business and what we're doing online and social media is so important to help people get that full experience. And we're going to walk over uh, shortly so I can ask you about a couple specific brands. But at, at a high level, um, are you concerned? We, we see kids spending so much time on screens, and we do associate Hasbro more with, with board games, with mm -hmm. the sort of tactile play experience. Um, does that concern you as someone who leads this company, or do you think you've positioned the company to sort of deal with that shift in how, how kids behave? You know, it's interesting. Um, I, th I come at this a, a couple of different ways. One is uh, as an executive for a company, we want to make sure that we're providing those experiences for our brands on, on those screens. And then as a parent and as, you know, just a concerned citizen, you know, it's not lost on you when you read articles about how people in Silicon Valley limit screen time for their kids. So I think that limiting some screen time is still a very important element to ensuring kids have the opportunity to develop their EQ and their IQs um, as well as their, uh, their thumbs and, uh, and other digits in playing with screen devices. But we're also seeing a rebound because of that time people are spending by themselves on the phone. Um, there, we're seeing a rebound in, in gaming, in face-to-face -face gaming, in people wanting play experiences when they play together like a, nerf, like a nerf where they go outside and they're all playing together and the blaster business. 
And so I think the more people are spending time connected, and yet what I would say disconnected from others in a, in a real way, um, we're seeing our business respond as a result. And, and people are playing our games and are playing with our toys. And Play-Doh's another brand that people just love. And it, it gives the kids a chance to get together on a simple play date with the incredible creativity and learning opportunity. What do you think your hottest toy will be this Christmas? Oh, that's a, a tough one. You know, I never like to comment because, you know, our brand Picking people, a favorite yeah, child. Exactly. Yeah. Our brand people would be very upset if I picked <laughs> one brand over another. You know, look, I, I think that over time we have developed an array of really powerful brands. And people have done an amazing job in bringing innovation to the table. You know, as you sit here today, I'll just tell you one of the hot toys we just heard has really broken loose um, for the holidays is something called Yellies. So it's uh, a little uh, plushy spider, uh, and the louder one behind you actually, yeah. Okay, at the top good. There, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> then the louder you talk to it, the faster it moves, which is why it's called Yellies. Yeah. And so that just happened to be a really hot seller last night online, <laughs> and so we get data all the so time. So you know, so. overnight, if something sold really well last night, you find out today. A hundred percent. Wow. Yeah. I mean, our data is is unbelievable. That's how we manage our business. And so that's what we talk about. You know, you, you ask those f about the fundamental changes in our business, and I'm sure people hear about the changes we've made at the company. Well, the days of handing a new sample to a salesperson to drive to New Jersey to present it to a buyer because we need their approval to get it listed, those are all over. We can get any product we want listed with almost any retailer, and then it's our responsibility to manage that inventory for that retailer. And when you talk about an online retailer, we have infinite shelf space. We could ship every product we ever made to that retailer, one of them. The question is, can we sell that one and then sell hundreds of thousands behind it? That, re that relies on us with the data analytics and the social marketing, digital marketing, to enable that sell-through to happen. And so there's a whole different science to that than before. So you can imagine just how a dramatic a shift that is. And in essence, that's what we're doing in our business. One non-Hasbro question, which sure. is, uh, you've taken a leadership role in the partnership for Rhode Island, which yes. is new organization of you and some of the other uh, biggest CEOs, Larry Merlo at CVS, mm -hmm. Citizens and Tom some others, Lawson. Uh, Tom Lawson at FM yeah. Global. Um, first of all, why did you decide you wanted to put some of your time into that, and uh, what are you looking forward to seeing the partnership do? You know, our goal is really, in essence, representing hundreds of thousands of employees at our companies. We want to ensure we have a community where people are well-educated, where they're well-trained for jobs that we can get toward full employment, that kids are getting the kinds of educations that they all deserve, that our employees and our citizens get the health care that they require and they need, that we deal with crisis like opioids in the right manner and, uh, and, and done so both respectfully and clearly uh, to help save our civ uh, citizens. And, and it's really focusing on the keys of education and job training and health care is our focus. And it's really on behalf of our employees to ensure that there's another voice at the table that uh, represents the employees of our company. We have to take another break on Executive Suite, but coming up, we'll take a walk through Hasbro's brand showcase to hear how the company is adapting classic toys like My Little Pony, Play-Doh, and Power Rangers for a new generation. Stick with us.
Welcome back to Executive Suite. I'm Ted Nisi. This week we head out to the headquarters of Hasbro for an interview with Chairman and CEO Brian Goldner. He took us for a walk through the company's Hall of Brands. We started off by discussing why Hasbro is taking a stronger hand in producing the Transformers movies. All right, so this is a big one for you guys, Brian. We're here in front of <laughs> Bumblebee. Bumblebee. You're actually executive producer on this movie. It was just about to come out. Tell us a little about why this is a big deal right now. Well, first and foremost, the uh, brand is just beloved by so many people around the world. Bumblebee is one of the characters that's most beloved by kids and fans and families. And this is also important for us. This movie really brings back the heart and the humor that we had seen in Transformers in the first film, frankly, and then it got to be bigger and bigger, but probably with less heart and less humor. So we took a bigger role in producing this and also obviously in, in paying for the production, and so we, we work with Paramount to do that. It gives us more creative control, more opportunities to work with global retailers and all the merchandise and the consumer products around it. It's a very fun and exciting uh, story. It's more of an origin story. It dates back to the 80s, which is a very important era for our fans. That's yep. when the brand first came to the market. And uh, it's a great story about Bumblebee. And uh, our star is Haley Steinfeld and John Cena, yep. who you probably know yep. from uh, wrestling fame. Yep. And uh, it's, been, it's fantastic. It's and really so exciting. would you say this is a little more, uh, a little more family-friendly Transformers than maybe some of the ones late in the series so far? It is. It's very much family-friendly. Family we do a lot of testing of our movies before they come out, and fans and families have said this is uh, super exciting, and they're looking forward to taking their kids. All right. It comes out right around Christmas time. And then My Little Pony, you know, we had our first animated film a year ago. We're going to make another animated film. It has a TV series on, that's on the air. Uh, pretty regularly um, on Discovery How much do you have to keep reinventing? My Little Pony's been around a long time. How much do you have to keep reinventing All those? the time. Yeah. All the time. You yeah. know, that's, uh, that's the way the business works. Now, here's a famous Play one. I know. Play-Doh Play <laughs> Needs is, no introduction. Uh, yep. It needs no introduction, and yet it's having, you know, great years and growing around <laughs> the world. It's one of our most global brands because creativity and colors is something that every parent can get behind. And it's a way for kids to, you know, those early learning milestones and to accomplish those. Kids love it because it's so fun to play together and it gives kids an instant play date. You know, it's like instant social currency. Everybody <laughs> knows how to play Play-Doh. And is it true that you have patented the scent of Play-Doh? That is true. And in fact, the other interesting piece of news is just up the road in Massachusetts, we're manufacturing Play-Doh again. Oh, really? Which yeah. town? Yeah, it's going to be in East Long Meadow. Oh, yeah, back in East right, Long Meadow. At, yeah, so at, at uh, what was our factory is now owned by Carter Monday, but we source a tremendous amount of product out of there. Hasbro, though, still does not recommend eating Play-Doh, right? No, no. Fun to play with, not to eat. Not to eat, okay. okay. Important <laughs> message from yeah. the company. So Magic the Gathering, so yeah. this is one people might, more, might be familiar with, but you're, you're doing some new stuff with it. Yeah, so really this is a brand, if you're a teenager or older, you might start to play Magic the Gathering, and it's a card game. And if you go to any of the hobby shops around town, there's one down in uh, Warren, there's ones all over the state where people get together and they play Magic the Gathering. We launched uh, Arena, which is an online way to play Magic. So this takes the 10 million people who are playing Magic on a pretty regular basis and it allows the 20 to 30 million people who are playing Magic but have moved away from their friends and probably no longer get to play it as yeah. often as they'd like and let them play it again. So it's very exciting. I encourage people to go and look up, you know, just look up Magic Arena if you like to play Magic the Gathering and you can play online now and you can actually invite, individually invite your friends to come play with you. And uh, this is also reminding people because you are moving into the mobile gaming space too. You actually got a uh, mobile gaming company you acquired, right? That's right. It's, uh, it's Backflip and they're in Boulder, Colorado. 
So they're making a number of Hasbro games. Uh, they're probably most famous for a game called Dragon Vale. Some people probably play Dragon Vale. And uh, they're going to be taking a number of Hasbro brands and turning them into mobile games. And then in Seattle, Washington is where Wizards of the Coast lives. And they're doing Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons. And Dungeons and Dragons is having another amazing year. In fact, it's, uh, over the last three years, it's had its three best years in its history. Wow. So people are back playing again, as we talked about. Yeah. People want to spend time together. And what's so fun about Dungeons and Dragons, it's collaborative play. It's storytelling play. And if you've seen Stranger Things, mm -hmm. which I hope you have, yeah. though you would see that the kids are all playing, yeah. you know, they're playing D&D. So that's <laughs> why we love it. And it's so easy for kids to understand how to play. My wife is addicted yeah, to that. Right. Okay. Well, as we walk, what was your favorite Hasbro toy as a kid? Do you have a memory of playing Hasbro I do. Toys? Yes, I do. I went over to my friend's house, and he had an array of G.I. Joes. Remember, yeah. I was growing up in the late 60s, so it was a the heyday. Revealing your age on TV. Yeah, yeah the, hey, the, heyday, <laughs> the heyday of G.I. Joe. And... Uh, and uh, the Gemini space capsule, I don't know if you remember that, and the breaches <laughs> buoy and all the things that we would play in G.I. Joe. And, you know, it was a, a brand for me that really still resonates. In fact, uh, we'll have some news on that shortly, but we'll have another G.I. Joe movie coming out, you know, in the next year or two. Power Rangers, this one actually, you have a history with this brand uh, personal to you. I do. So about 25 years ago, Power Rangers launched in the 90s. And I worked on Power Rangers when it was uh, first the phenomena success that it was. And, you know, 25 years later, it's really fun. We've now acquired the brand. And so uh, the team is very excited. We think we can do far more with the brand that has been done recently. And uh, we're going to do uh, television, which you'll see. We have a multi-year deal with Nickelodeon. So it'll continue to be on the air in the U.S. and Nickelodeon. And we'll produce another movie that will be coming up in the next couple of years. And great product line and uh, all sorts of games. And, you know, as we described, it's really the full brand blueprint brought to life around the Power Rangers, and people love the Rangers. In fact, now there's even an adult fan base around the brand because it's been around so long. Do you think, uh, do you think it's fair to say that being the CEO of Hasbro is more fun than being the CEO of like some big financial services company or something? Oh, I would never comment. You know, I work with a lot of people, uh, and uh, obviously on the partnership, I have a lot of brethren who That's are true. all who are all managing other kinds of businesses, I'm sure they have a lot of fun at work as well. I just happen to have a really great job. So last question while we're together, you, 10 years, uh, do you see yourself staying this job for a while? Are you itching to, to move on to something new? Look, I, I love what I do every day. And every day is different. You know, I've been at the company 19 years and I've had about eight different jobs. I constantly am working on different parts of our business and honing the way we innovate or the way we tell stories or the way we garner consumer insights. So no one day is the same as the next one. So that's what's fun. And that's all the time we have on this week's edition. I want to thank Hasbro Chairman and CEO Brian Goldner for joining us here on Executive Suite. Remember, if you missed any of this episode or any other episode, you can catch all of them on our website, WPRI.com, or on the radio, Sunday nights at 6.30 on WPRO. I'm Ted Nisi. We'll see you next week here on Executive Suite.